0: that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell game, hell game. Snap
1: is back to Hoyer, throwing open. Howard breaks a tackle, 15-10, five, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Bears. Don't, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as Star Bears. Play fake, Cutler sidestep to the pocket, avoiding pressure now, winds up throwing deep down the right side, going for Jeffrey, he makes the touch, he the 10-yard line. Down near the five! Throw it up and get it, Jeffrey did! Jeffrey outleaps him 49 yards! It's like a Bears Hour live with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Phil Ittoshan. Whitney, as always, are the super fans I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs>
2: Good afternoon, Bears fans. You are listening to Bears Hour Live with Phil Otoshin and Lauren Cox breaking down the Bears offseason for an hour on this uh Chicago Bears football list Sunday. And there's not even playoff football on right now because of the ice storm headed for the uh, Steelers Chiefs game that's got moved down to Sunday night football. So we're gonna be your one stop shop for Chicago Bears football talk today and uh hopefully we'll get to we'll get to get through some pretty some pretty heavy Chicago Bears topics. I mean we we saw the the press conference to end the season a couple of weeks ago where Ryan Pace and John Fox went out and, you know, an, answered questions from the media about what what they have done this season and then why they're choosing to bring back the entire coaching staff for the next year. And Phil, I know you and I were both disappointed about it and you know, I, I don't wanna harp on harp on the past too much, but we we should talk about it because we haven't much on, on the Bears Hour Live. We haven't had an opportunity to what what do you think was the most disappointing part about the press conference? Was it was it the words they said? Was it just the fact that they said they're gonna bring everybody back? I mean, what what do you think what, what was your biggest takeaway from Ryan Pace and John Fox going up there and talking about this season and next?
1: I think the biggest disappointment really honestly was as I tweeted it out, Lauren, was that your general manager hid in hiding throughout the whole season. Then has an opportunity to take the center stage himself and answer and address the real dynamics of what was a disappointing, and I'm not even exaggerating, football season. A lot of people have what you term recency bias, and they forget, you know, this team was six and ten and was in a lot of close games the year before with a lot of injuries. The expectations were they were going to be better, Lauren. And for first five games, they had pretty good health. You know, we saw the manipulation of Jay Cutler and the frustration, really, of the fans surrounding, you know, pro-J, Jay, negative-J. Jay. But what Jay has never had here is uh, an, an emphasis on offensive line, you know, value. And you look at the way the season played itself out, The lip service at the end was John Fox with his little son, uh, Ryan Pace, sitting next to him. And they're answering questions as if, you know, it's not the injuries, but it is the injuries. And it's the injuries, and you know what? Injuries don't take a pride. I know it's lip service, guys, but injuries hurt us this year, and, you know, we're going to do everything. We got a lot of money in the bank, so... Everything is the same as it's always been. Looking back from Mark Trestman to getting rid of Lovey Smith, the whole dynamics of what I like to call, and I know I'm giving you the long answer, Lauren, but looking at that presser, nothing seems to have changed. It's just a younger face sitting next to an old-time guy promising a future that really ultimately should have been blown up I called it, you look at it, it's almost like a National Lampoon's vacation movie with instead of being a National Lampoon's vacation, it's the National Lampoon's NFL franchise. <laughs> a 93-year-old owner, mother, counting her dollars and cents with her son being a little vocal influence. And then there's this weird glove greased back glasses character on the side and he's (laughs) talking out of his mind. And then they got these two schmoes standing up there and and it it becomes so disheartening because let's really talk about answers and, and the reality that this should have been blown up, Lauren, if the object is to get a young quarterback in John Fox and the brilliance of Dow Loggins should have been gone and you should have gotten another young head coach in here, even if you have to wait to the end of the Super Bowl, Um, a Shanahan, you know, or anyone that's going to take an offensive influence and be a leader of a football team and put it in the right direction. Now I just feel like what we saw that day was lip service for another lost season next year and ultimately a firing that's going to happen and a new coach in 2018. So if you're going to draft a quarterback Bear fans, I know you're, you're frustrated, but I just, I've been through this so many times with this, this franchise, it's become redundant. It's almost like that game with all the the cups and there's one ball and the guys swaying the cups around and then everyone's got to (laughs) try to figure out where the ball. No, it's a trick. (laughs) And we, we all buy into it all the time. I'm done. You're three and third freaking team, Lauren. 0 and 8 on the road. You can't win away from home. The year before, you couldn't win at home. It's just, you're not going anywhere. You're going backwards. And I think seeing Ryan Pace not be by himself as the leader of this team. And having John Fox standing there interrupting him was embarrassing. And yeah. it, it just shows a, a, a just a fruitile franchise.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, some people say, "Well, well, what did you what did you want? From, you know, what did you want them to say?" I mean, obviously, we would want them to say that the coaching staff is fired. But really, if you get out there with John Fox and Ryan Pace, I mean, what you wanted was at least some kind of recognition of, of self evaluation and self scouting and accountability. I mean. I would have been perfectly happy if John Fox goes up there and says, you know, we we look back at this season and you know we didn't run the ball enough. And, and Dowell knows that. I told Dowell, you know, we're gonna bring him back, but I told him, you know, we have to we have to do that differently. Mm-hmm. We have to you know make sure we're calling the same plays for each quarterback and and running a system that that's gonna be the same for everyone in it. We know we're not. We're gonna. We're gonna do a better job of putting players in position to be successful. We're gonna do a better job of identifying our players' strengths and making sure that we are using them to their best ability and not trying to ask them to do things that they're not qualified for, or that they're not capable of. And same thing on the defensive side of the ball. You know, go out there and say we're gonna do a better job of figuring out which cornerbacks on our roster we want to field on the team. We're gonna do a better job of figuring out which linebackers we like. We're gonna do a better job of getting our young defensive linemen able to play and and ready and up to speed, so we're not constantly. You know, switching up the rotation there and getting different minutes for different guys, and obviously we're going to do a better job of 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 avoiding injuries and trying to be more healthy. But to me, it was just a lot of you know vague non-answers about you know we got to get healthier and we got to we need more consistency at the positions. But there was never there were really very few concrete answers. I think the only concrete thing that Ryan Pace had pointed out that I that I actually liked from the press comments was the thing about how. You know, we we are gonna try and do something about the injuries. I mean, we had nineteen guys at an IR and then that's just not normal, so we're gonna we're gonna look through our entire staff, we're gonna look at other teams, other sports, we're gonna look, you know, far and wide to find solutions to be less injured. And I thought that was one of the few times where somebody in that press conference stepped up and said something concrete and some kind of action that they're gonna take to improve on something that wasn't very good this past season. I would have I would have been much more willing to tolerate another year of Dowell Loggins if Fox had been critical of him but said, you know, he's a good coach and I, I trust his ability to improve this offseason and, and work on the things that we need to work on. And same thing with Vic and really kind of hold everybody accountable. But instead it was a lot of, well, we didn't do this very well and, you know, not not really using any names, not really pointing mm-hmm. to direct issues. It's just more guys, guys weren't available and they were hurt and but we're not going to hide behind injuries and inexperience and, and that's obviously what they ended up doing.
1: Yeah, they absolutely did and... You know, there's, you could sell me on improvement in one critical moment throughout the season. And it was, you know, you're going to play the injuries, you're 0-5 with no injuries. You know, Jay Cutler, you could argue, but it was clear through Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and squinty-eye, or one-eyed Willie there, Jason LaCafora, (laughs) that Brian Hoyer, it was his job to lose. So transparency to me from a head coach to a fan base that loves this team and has so much passion that travels the globe to to see this team and and craves every avenue to get information on this team the arrogance to not be transparent not say from the head coach you know what I'm pissed off at Jay Cutler because he needs to take care of the football. Whatever the issue is, you let the players know first in the locker room, and then you open that up to be on you because you are the leader of this football team. And every decision is going to go through you. And that transparency and that ego and arrogance is not there, Lauren. So it's it's so disheartening. That your GM is cradled to this guy standing there at the end of the season, and then the other point was, here's an opportunity to to come in and beat your rival with your third string quarterback, and you have an opportunity to go up four or tie the game at three in what was a back and forth roller coaster of a football game, but it all boiled down to that one last drive and you're inside the five-yard line, first and goal, and you choose to throw two out of three times and then kick a field goal, that's all I need to know about the head coach and the offensive coordinator because it never was about Jordan Howard. As great and gaudy as his numbers are, you and I watch tape. I don't talk crap on Twitter to say I'm right. I talk about what I see That's it. And that's how I watch a football game like a coach, and I watch the tape like a coach. This guy, Dowell Loggins, never made the focus of the offense around the best football player on offense, and that was Jordan Howard. Now, we talked about several times, Lauren, the what we saw in preseason, the personnel decisions and what have you and and people want to have a parade because he was able to 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 get production with losing Kyle long, okay a hundred years of football n f l teams have lost guards and gone on perfectly fine, but in Chicago it's like you lost a god, and let's just be honest in watching tape. It's not that good, people. I'm sorry. Good player, that's it. You can replace that with another guard. They're not as critical to find as offensive tackles. They never will be, and that kind of storyline bodes well into this put the onus on your offensive line, beat Green Bay, and move forward building off that. Then I'd be okay because here you are. You chumped them. You beat them down. You probably knock them out of the playoffs. Instead, today, they have an opportunity to move one step closer to somewhere where you've only been five times in the last 25 years in the playoffs. I mean, think about that as a franchise. So take your shots when you can to put this team in the right direction. You run the ball four times. You challenge your offensive line to go win the football game, Jordan Howard, and the offensive line. Put it in there and force Green Bay to beat you. And you know what? You kicked a field goal. Your defense was hot. Mm -hmm. And you let up a 62-yard bomb. And that's the story of this coaching staff and season. And I can't express it any more than that, Lauren. You took no chances. Fourth down plays are just completely predictable and people on Twitter that argue stuff, but don't watch any tape and are regurgitating somebody else, I mean, call in and we could talk about reality of accountability versus favoritism. This is the John Fox mantra. If you're not consistent with your child, I have twins, Lauren. So if I'm really nice to twin Tay, but I'm really not holding the same compassion towards twin devin then at what point do they understand that one is getting favoritism and they kind of rebel against you that kind of crap happens and you look at josh bellamy is the perfect example of that Uh, consistently dropping footballs and throwing to him in the red zone it's it's mind-boggling that it's gotten to this level this franchise could win four games in the xfl at this point
2: <laughs> yeah you know it always kind of felt like to me like once you get you know 3 and 13 is not the end of the world but once you start getting fans who justify who are okay with 3 and 13 well you know they were injured or well you know it's it's a rebuilding that's that's cleveland browns i mean that, that's just the, putting you on the same level as them where you start to accept that losing is is okay I mean and that's kind of what you've started to see over the last five years from the from the Chicago Bears I mean has this team I mean it seems like they just keep getting worse from even from 2012 when they fired Lovie Smith not that you know n- not criticizing that decision necessarily but since that point it's just been I mean it's just been nonstop decline and it, it, at this point after five years of it almost people are starting to just kind of uh, Accept it and justify it, and, and and say that oh well, that's just they're just not a, a talented football team. But I I really don't buy that at all. I mean you have to. I mean this is the NFL. There's talent on every single football team. It doesn't matter if you're rebuilding. I don't I don't really buy into the idea that. You know that you rebuild is, is even a thing. I mean, you can you can turn a team around very quickly. I don't care how many different player transactions you've made. I mean, Ryan Pace replaced you know twenty starters or whatever. I, I don't really care. You know, just if you have talented players on your team and a good coach, it doesn't matter how long they've been there. It doesn't matter you know whether they were here in their last regime or whether they were brought in this offseason. They've been here. They've been with this staff. They're you know they they weren't just signed off the street yesterday. They've been here for months and months and months in learning this system, obviously you get better over time. And the longer a player is here, the better they're going to be on your team. But it's not as though it's impossible to win with a, a roster of just completely new people. I mean, you see teams over and over win. I mean, even John Fox has done it before. You've seen his team. He'll he'll come in and, you know, maybe it's a rebuild because it's a new GM and a new a new head coach. But two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. And it's, it's not it, – I just don't buy that as an excuse. I mean, it's just about being a bad team, being a poorly run team, versus being a well-run team and, and i think that's the difference you, you can call it injuries and you can call it a rebuild and you can call it all this roster change but to me it's about who is in charge and who's making those decisions and clearly they're not making the proper decisions to have this team in position to win football games just yet and and maybe you know maybe they'll maybe they'll really surprise us and and they'll have something cooking in this offseason and they'll get the right you know they'll get a quarterback in there more on that later you know they'll rebuild the offensive line a little bit Dale Loggins will look at his own play calling and say, "Holy crap, what was I doing?" You know, Vic Fangio will have more talent; he'll be able to put some together, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to pull something. But to me, it feels like another five, six, seven-win season is coming next year. Obviously, it's way too early to get into individual predictions, but it's it's hard to see. You know, they just haven't shown signs that encourage you that growth is coming, especially from last year to this year, having that benchmark of of what what you've seen a whole off season under the same staff has become it's hard to be excited about this team moving forward even you know trying to push into a playoff race especially after a three and 13 season
1: yeah the, I don't buy into the personnel go look game one Brock Osweiler people killing him last night killing him beat your franchise uh, for completely healthy everyone's there they Brock Osweiler beat you so. Put it into perspective, I am 100% behind coaching is the the personality of your football team. It reflects the head coach. And I think 3 and 13 speaks to what you've gotten from John Fox. There's a demeanor and there's a next man up mentality that guys like Bill Parcell, Bill Belichick, Gruden um, – go on and on forever that these coaches have a next man up mentality and that next man up better know his assignment and play a hundred miles an hour if you and i just sat here and fans that are very intelligent watch and you watch tracy porter down the stretch playing two-hand touch out there you're down a guy that's a reflection on your head coach allowing that crap to take place is it's inexcusable. And as a GM, you know, that's his strike from me against him because you're essentially signed on to this job because we're all going to speculate whether Ted Phillips and, and George McCaskey are in your ear or you're ultimately making that decision. And that's a fault of the final presser. Having John Fox standing there really couldn't, as much as the press supposedly, I mean, grilled him ultimately how many more questions would have been wait a second you're three and 13 here's the numbers with john fox as the head coach (laughs) how do you stand by those numbers how how is there not a coaching change and is next year a dead-end season you know there's so many things that we look at with kevin white being forced out there jeremy (laughs) langford who thought jeremy langford was a better back watching tape in preseason than Jordan Howard was. Well, we didn't. No, we'll the, it. <laughs> the offensive coordinator didn't even know. He admitted, "I didn't even know that." This how? It's your job to know. It's inexcusable that kind of statement. That's like me going to my job and say, oh, I, "I I've been doing it for three years, but I didn't know." And it's just it doesn't fly. So the lies and the lack of transparency there just really ultimately has to put my doubts in what should be an off-season of change. And really, ultimately, Ryan Pace is right. There's a lot of money. The Bears have a lot of needs and a lot of holes. And free agency is the first way. And those critics out there that say, well, free agency, you build through the draft. You, you win through the draft. That's Just get good that's players. Yes, exactly. That is the dumbest statement. It's like, it's so fraudulent. Like it works in accordance because the bears stink. So it works for your, your narrative. But ultimately you find the best players to put in your system. You sit down with these players and you get to know the man and the person and whether or not you want that kind of guy within your house. And, Free agency is a place for that and is a huge piece of the puzzle that should be uh, applauded. You're not... It's not your money. Okay, guys? You know, these guys out there, these bloggers talk... uh, It's it's too much to pay them. (laughs) Give me wins. I don't care about who we're paying, what it is. If that's a good football player... Let's get him on the roster and worry about a roster that and a cap that has not gone down since two thousand. It keeps going up. So worry about what you get in the player as a according to talent instead of a goddamn cap because it's not your money anyway. And they don't care about the fan. they've showed you that the most arrogant, worst media outlet website I've seen in the in the league there's no I, I don't know where there's a positive to hang my hat with the bears right now
2: yeah you know, you know that, that cap thing the, the thing I always come back to is like the, the time to worry about your cap space is when you're 3 and 13 and you're trying to figure out which of your <laughs> best players you need to bring back or oh, sorry when you're 13 and 3 and you and you're, you're trying to decide which of your best players to bring back when you're 3 and 13 you, you just go get the best players you worry about that later you worry about that after you have success I mean, I mean, obviously, right, you you consider the, the dollar amount, but really, it's about identi- identifying the best football players and and getting them on your team. And there's really no, there's no, there should be no other factor in your mind. I mean, winning it just feels like winning isn't always the first priority with this team, and that's really what separates them from the rest of the league that's at least successful. And that's what feels like it puts them in the same conversation as the Cleveland Browns right now. I mean, it just doesn't feel like winning when you, when you talk to when you hear John Fox and Ryan Pace talk. It's never, it's never about, it's never fully about winning. There's always, well, it was this and this and this, and well, we at least did this and this. But you no, know, we didn't win in the football games, and here's how we're gonna do better. And it, it just doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, it's not. Football isn't tag sailing. You're not trying to get deals everywhere. You're trying to get beautiful items to hang in your house to help you ultimately get the best item to hang in your house, and that's the Lambo the Lambeau Lombardi Lombardi trophy, you know, that's the goal. If our goal is to look at the Cubs and say, well, they, you know, rebuild and they took losses, there's there's 16 games and any given Sunday you could win. And 90% of the time, the coach has the opportunity to help you in a decision to get you to where you want to go. So when you have the wrong coach, you better get the best talent. So ultimately, that's the goal of this offseason, Lauren, is to get the best talent. You know, you still have a quarterback under contract. He's a polarizing figure. The chapter and verse seems to be have turned the page on Jay Cutler. But ultimately, business-wise, those same cap gurus out there aren't recognizing, mm-hmm. well, to find a quarterback with talent, are you going to pay $72 million? For Brock Osweiler, what is this quarterback from uh, New England, Garoppolo, going to cost you if that's the role you're going to take? Are you going to number three overall pick, Lauren? Are you taking a quarterback there? Are you building the defense? Are you looking at the secondary? Are you taking another pass rusher, a defensive lineman to get after the quarterback? These decisions have to be weighed by the coaching staff with the GM, and if you have the wrong coach, just like if you have the wrong GM picking a head coach, Mark Tressman, Bruce Arians, to remind mm-hmm. you, oh. these directions, these crossroads come at every stop throughout the season. So you're coming up, you know, there's a huge decision coming up, Lauren, to me, you look at the landscape of the wide receiver position and free agency. Alshon Jeffries, the number one guy out there. You are gonna let him walk? You gonna let him go? <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. So you have plenty of cap space. Do so you put the franchise tag on him again if you can't get something done?
2: You know, you just. If, it seems like with Alshon, I mean, it, you don't just pay him what he wants, but I mean, you you get him as low as he'll go, and then you take that. You know what I mean? You're not gonna. There's no reason to mess around and potentially lose this guy, and I think I don't know the exact number on franchise tagging him again, but I know I can almost guarantee you it's going to be it's a like lot 17. more that he's going to want per year. I mean, he made what fourteen and a half this year per year, and or just for the year. And I th- I think there were some numbers coming out last year that he was looking for the you know the fourteen fifteen sixteen million dollar range. Just pay him, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to you don't have to sign him, like, hand him a blank check, but you don't know, you don't need to mess around and and you know play put you know footsie with the guy and try and keep him to well we want to save that extra million dollar you know he's he wants 15 and, and we want 13 and uh, i don't know you just it's a million you know what i mean if, if you're only off by a couple million dollars a year you just pay i mean if, it's, if he's asking for some ridiculous amount of money which it, all indications are he's not then then you know that's another story you're not going to give the guy 20 million dollars a year or whatever but if he wants, you know, a reasonable wide receiver contract, you're not. there's no reason to fight over a couple million dollars with the guy when you know he is a number one wide receiver talent. You know he knows the system. If Assuming he wants to be back, you know he wants to be here. And there's just no reason not to pay him. But I want to go back to the quarterback position a little bit because I, I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously that's the most important position on the offense and probably the most important position on the team, and a lot of people are concerned because of the way that Ryan Pace talked about it a little bit. He said, you know, uh, we're going to look at every option. I don't remember the exact thing, the exact wording he said, but basically he said everything's on the table. But he did talk about how he wants a quarterback that's going to be consistently available and he is going to take care of the ball. And so there's some concern that the team might just go back to Brian Hoyer because he was able to put together those, you know, 300-plus yard games and didn't throw an interception. I think he did four games in a row over 300 yards, and he had two touchdowns in three of those games. And obviously those are all just stats, and and the real outcomes was one win and uh, I think five losses with Brian Hoyer under center, although the Eagles game where he came in for Cutler doesn't quite count. So in his five starts, he was one and four, and that ultimately I think is the best way to judge Brian Hoyer because a lot of those games, you know, Indianapolis and Jacksonville in particular, he had them in position to win, and he had had the lead in Jacksonville for quite a while that he wasn't able to maintain. I know you and I are both not big fans of Hoyer, but is is that you think probably the worst case scenario in your mind for the quarterback position next year is going with going with Hoyer as the bridge guy and you know maybe draft a guy and maybe not at three or you could could take him at three but regardless starting Brian Hoyer as your starting quarterback next year is that worst case scenario for you?
1: Yeah, I just think you know Brian Hoyer take you to where you wanted to go when the chips are down. You know that's. It almost resembles the difference between, and I'm parallel, paralleling positions, Jeremy Langford and Jordan Howard. Is Jeremy Langford your guy going forward? Is he the guy? Or does Jordan Howard clearly showcase to you that he's obviously the guy going forward? You're obviously going to protect yourself at the running back position and maybe get another guy in here, draft another kid whatever, but the quarterback position in and above itself handles the ball every play. Brian Hoyer didn't win football games, has a hard time throwing outside the numbers. His deep ball struggles are very apparent. So it's, it's very difficult for me to look at play people in the face or in the eyes and say, listen, this is the best opportunity and I think again, you're you're not being transparent, you're not recognizing who gives you the best opportunity to win now. There is an opportunity, there's talent on this football team. There's talent here to win games. You know, I'm not saying injuries don't play a part in winning or losing. They do. But when you're coaching people up and you're playing sound football, then you're able to accompany a game plan and get yourselves into the win column. And that's just something clearly on tape they just couldn't do. They couldn't find mismatches. They couldn't ever put the right personnel together on the football field. They couldn't keep guys healthy. they're going to check every avenue, then you need to do that with the quarterback position. Matt Barkley comes in here, shows some signs, and then he falters, throwing 12 picks. So at what point does it look at the amount of passing plays maybe in the offensive game plan or the kind of route tree and recognition you're trying to throw, does it lend to creating mistakes instead of giving you big play and big opportunities? I didn't see many three-step game when watching this tape, Lauren, and I think that right there in above itself on the NFL level is something that really is disappointing. You know, a three-step drop game is critical to an offense, Mm -hmm. especially when you have signal callers rotating in or have issues with accuracy or what have you, or confidence. You're able to get those plays out there. I didn't see that happening. So when I look at a measuring scale between – Brian Hoyer, a Jay Cutler returning, I'm pro-Jay Cutler in that argument. To say otherwise, I just think you're just angry and agitated at the guy and just want change, and and I understand that point. However, I don't think it's smart football to say, well, I'm tired of that. If there's going to be a bridge, I want the bridge to give me the opportunity to win and if you're drafting a quarterback at number three like my boy Deshaun Watson, if that's the way you're gonna go, then there's an opportunity for him to learn and then take over the reins when things get rough and, and you're you're focused in on that. But ultimately, it can't be a lost season sales salesman. It's gotta be putting your best players on the team, looking at the secondary, saying I have, The free safety is a strong safety. We need corners all around. You may have found your nickel back. So that's a step in the right direction. But ultimately, you're going to need two corners. you got to get a free safety in here that's not afraid to come off the hash and make a football play. And then there's so many holes, Lauren. I know I'm jumping around, but the quarterback obviously is the biggest one. So... For me, if you're going to have a bridge, I don't think the bridge is Brian Hoyer. I think that bridge is collapsing if that's the way you're going to go.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the thing that's most concerning to me about Dowell Loggins is, you know, this year one of the excuses for him was like, well, you know, he he didn't have a starting quarterback and, you know, he had to deal with backups out there. But you want him doing the same thing with a rookie? I mean, you know, if right. if they're going to draft a guy at three and say he is our starter, you're not, you're not necessarily going to get high quality football necessarily from that rookie in year 1 just because he's still going to be learning and he's obviously going to have some limitations there's no you know people like to say this is a bad quarterback draft class I think you and I both disagree with that but at the same time there's no Andrew Luck those are those are rare sort of prospects that can come in and be all around you know successful football players early on and you know they're good they're good quarterbacks in there and certainly this offseason we're going to get into a ton of draft stuff for the quarterbacks we're not going to harp on that too much today but there are good quarterbacks in this draft but no one is going to come in and win 12 games as a rookie you, you know you just don't have the, the talent on this roster right now you're not the Dallas Cowboys you don't have that offensive line you don't have that running game so you're going to have some inconsistency at the quarterback play if you're going to start a rookie this year and we obviously saw what Dowell Loggins was able to do how many games he was able to win when he had inconsistency at the quarterback place you know at the quarterback position so i don't know how anyone could be confident in him taking a rookie quarterback out to start this year and, and trying to win football games with him because clearly he struggles to have a team score points consistently and, and win football games when they have inconsistency at that quarterback position and even when they did have Jay Cutler he did a pretty good he did a pretty bad job of putting him in position to be successful and you wonder how he's going to be able to do that with a rookie especially a rookie that's still going to be learning i mean at least with Jay he makes bad decisions but he's a smart guy and he knows you know he knows football he knows the system from 2 years but you, when you have a kid in there that's just learning how to be an NFL player, let alone an NFL quarterback, let alone a quarterback in this system, you're really going to have to dumb it down for him. And I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, that Dowell Loggins is really capable at this point of, of putting a quarterback like that in position to be successful with what he's shown us this past year. I don't think they
1: were delicate whatsoever. They just – and this could – you know, in their meetings, I'm not. I just watched the tape. I just see what I see. So it seemed to be they were throwing like they were running the run and shoot with a Matt Barkley, a Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler. Your op- opportunity to pass is 40 plus in several games. I, I, I'm not the stat boy, so Lauren might know how many games it was 40 plus passing, but Ultimately, you saw many a game where this team is throwing the football and totally getting away from what it is that you do well. And then on top of that, when it was the opportunity to run the ball, and it wasn't till late in the season, literally after we talked about it on this show, Lauren, about doing some man blocking and power scheme with this back that you saw the kind of success that he can have, you know, incorporating zone-based scheme with power scheme and being multiple on the offensive side of the football. But it never, ever happened consistently. So then, as you're saying, is he going to be able to caretake to a quarterback? Now, our colleague made a good point to me because, you know, I'm frustrated. I'll be the first one to admit that. I'm frustrated with the continual lies, the letdowns, the inability to build upon what it is that you have well on this roster, uh, running back, you know, completely seeing Deontay Thompson out there, kick returning, uh, Bellamy, as we talked about, all these transgressions going on, not incorporating younger players, not uh, uh, Eddie Royals, a slot. He gets hurt, but he's showing you great, you know, plays there, and then he's soft like Shea McClellan, then that would be the perfect opportunity to bring a young slot player in there and incorporate him and Daniel Braverman. Yet that doesn't happen. So the the trust that you have seems to be lost in this. It's, and can Dow Loggins take ownership of his mistakes and build upon bring in logan paulson out there uh several hundred times to play a slot and, and having logan paulson on the field in and above itself so can he do that or is he excusing well that's the guy that the gm got me that's how we got to play it and kind of is okay with losing instead of saying you know what this guy isn't good enough i'm going to adapt my scheme differently to incorporate something else. That's going to help us move the football. Those are the kind of winners. (coughs) Excuse me. Those are the kind of winners, offensive coordinators that are maniacal that know two plays in advance. We're going for it on fourth and short, anything fourth and short, we're going for it. Just the level of confidence that you have in this, in your team and in your offense it just isn't there. So moving forward, answering your question, I wanted this team blown up as regards to the coaching staff for just that reason. In recognizing that, if you're saying, and I don't, I don't believe this. We're never going to be here again. We're never going to be in the top five again. Picking. That's what he's saying to you. But let me just reiterate this, and I know it comes with a technicality. They've picked in the top 10 the last three years. Now, granted, the technicalities, they traded up from 11 to 9 to get Leonard Floyd. But the reality says you've done it three years in a row. You're picking the top 10 players in the draft, and you've seen what the outcome is. I mean, you know how I feel about Kevin White. You know how I feel about Leonard Floyd. And... and. You look at this football team, are they going to improve with Dow Loggins going forward? And I don't know if the quarterback position is going to be in trusted hands with Dow Loggins, who I think might be a better quarterback coach than he is a play caller. Because there is a specific thing to play calling, Lauren. And time and time again, I saw that thing not occur with our offensive coordinator he just he doesn't get it he doesn't have the feel for what his team is doing well and do it until they stop you and and, and he'll get away from it and and he'll start throwing slot screens and wide receiver screens when you're hitting at 6.7 yards a carry that kind of stuff is inexcusable so looking at now you're going to play a young quarterback with kid gloves, in the biggest, you know, greatest sports league in in the world, and now you're going to ask this guy to pay put his attention? Or are you asking Dave Ragone? Do you trust Dave Ragone? I, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I
2: mean, Brian uh, Pace was certainly uh, uh, complimentary of him, but that that doesn't mean a whole lot. He did he did cite the fact that Ragone had played college football and had played at a high level, but. Yeah, not necessarily a lot to be super confident in about with this offensive staff, but you know we talked a lot about sort of the the bad things that are maybe likely coming. But in your mind, what would be the best case scenario for the quarterback position this offseason? Maybe give me one where you're allowed to have Jay Cutler involved, and maybe give me another one where it's a it's we let's pretend it's a definite possibility that Jay Cutler will not be back. What is your best case scenario at quarterback?
1: I want to say for the record that I believe based on that press conference, Jay Cutler is not back. I think they're trading him or they're getting rid of him and how that, I don't think that's, I wanted to make that point about a business decision just for that to be on the record because it's just not smart. But ultimately there's two sides to the argument, but when the, When the chips are down, it's just not good business. So, if you can get something, and I think you can, they're going to trade them. So, we'll start there. So, my ideal situation, if that's your case, uh, you got to draft a quarterback. I just, I don't know how or when. If if that was me, though, is that how we're going to play it? If I'm the GM, I'm looking at number four from clemson and i just every attribute i look for in a nfl quarterback i compare this to look at jared goff jared goff went one first overall if this kid was white this kid would be talked about as a god at quarterback and i know this to be very true because i see it all the time the bias the biasness I can say it because it's true. And if I'm measuring their attributes and just the way they carry themselves, the moxie and the the intellect, what more could you ask a quarterback to do that Deshaun Watson has done? It's just, I mean, he throws every ball, Lauren, with accuracy, with touch. He can throw it with great anticipation, Everything I like in a quarterback on the NFL level, he also is twelve times the athlete a Jared Goff is. When he tucks the ball and runs, he has an ability to leap and and just hurdle players. I mean, this kid's playing with a banged up knee, and I think we don't. He's looking at like ninety percent of who he is too. On top of that, and getting up time and time again. So, if, as we all know in Chicago quarterbacks have taken a beat in here and that's not being exaggerated that's not exaggerating this kid picks himself up off the map a lot and continues to battle like a champion and to ultimately go to -to back-to-back national championships riding him and having him being the focus every week of the opposing team that incorporated into it. And then if you just sit down and listen to the kid and how he handles himself, that that's the face of your franchise moving forward, in my opinion. That, uh, I don't care how far a guy could throw a, a football. I want a leader and a guy with moxie that gets up and continues to deliver plays in critical situations. And, and I believe that would be the way I would go if, I'm getting rid of Jay Cutler and and we're going on and moving forward with a young quarterback, he would be my number three, you know, the third overall pick in the draft for
2: me. But then who who do you go to training camp with on your quarterback depth chart? I mean, obviously you got Deshaun Watson and Jay's out and Hoyer and Barkley are, are, neither one is currently under contract. They're both unrestricted free agents. And obviously there's some other free agents on the pool, but you know, do you go into the season in your ideal situation? is, Is you go in expecting Deshaun Watson to start week one you bring, Absolutely. did, did that's you bring my goal. A, a guy like Connor Shaw back? I guess he's technically under contract because he was on IR this year. But you know, I would bring you...
1: I would bring um Connor Shaw back. Yes. I would bring a veteran in here if that's in comparison. I don't have a free agent quarterback list, so I would look at that list and compare them to a Brian Hoyer who's already here. But my goal is a hundred percent that this kid number three overall pick is my starting quarterback and brian Hoyer whoever clipboard holder is here to help the process in 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 the reality of that playing out if that's if that is the goal to move forward with a young quarterback, that is how I'm handling it with. The best veteran you think of, I don't have the list, Lauren. Do you have any names that are free agent quarterbacks?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not. The the name itself wasn't important. I wasn't sure if specifically you had a a bridge in mind or if if you wanted to go. The main thing was, do you want Watson to start week
1: one? My bridge is Watson. That's my. That would be my guy. If it's Kaiser, then he's starting week one too. The same kind of emphasis. The third pick overall. If it's quarterback, that's your franchise future next year. It's not, well, we're going to start, Brian. (laughs) No. You're going to take your lumps and you're going to do the assessment of where you believe the guy is because, let's face it, if we're measuring quarterback, I compared Deshaun Watson to Alex Smith coming out of of Utah. Alex Smith was spread offense. That was – in the early stages of the spread, and there was criticism of him, You know, Aaron Rodgers ended up going later. You know the story, and you know the rest of it. Now, Alex Smith has been a solid quarterback. He's going to play tonight to go to the AFC Championship if he wins. When I look at the two players, though, however, it's night and day in looking at what Watson brings to the table and what I assessed in my notes on Alex Smith coming out. So if Alex Smith is the first overall pick, if Jared Goff is the first overall pick, I look at Deshaun Watson, and you know how I felt about Wentz. You know, I loved Wentz coming out. That would have been my pick for a quarterback for the future of the Bears. Here is the same kind of feeling I have with Watson I just see the talent and everything that he brings to the table being where you go, and you don't worry about bridge. You clearly didn't worry about bridge this year. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Three and ten, Brian Hoyer's his job to lose. You could care less about winning and losing in that situation. I think Deshaun Watson's going to help you win that's just the way he's built and that's the way the kid's made up so i don't think you lose like that i think when the i said it before the national championship game i knew this was gonna happen the matt millers of the world are gonna start oh he's he's the best it's just it's gonna happen and at the end of the day the cream always rises to the top you know
2: yeah and and we do have our first caller on the show. I believe we've got AJ on the line here. AJ, uh we are talking some quarterback right now for the future. What what do you have in mind for the Bears at that position?
0: I mean, at three, it's kinda of difficult. I mean, I follow Dr. Phil and I follow you, Lauren. But I mean, if you look at if you look at the guys that are coming out today, we got Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, we got Deshaun Watson from Clemson. Who um, I saw the comparison of uh, Alex Smith coming out of Utah about a few years ago or whatever he came out. But if, if I'm Ryan Pace and Deshaun Watson is there at three and I've been seeing the mock drafts, Deshaun Kaiser's dropping. He's going to like Cleveland at 12. And I mean, the way that Deshaun Watson played the national championship, it's a no brainer. This guy had four total touchdowns and he has loads of confidence at three. It would make sense to get Watson and put him at your, put him at your franchise quarterback. If it's Kaiser, it's Kaiser. If it's Watson, it's Watson. But if you ask me, I really want Deshaun Watson because the way that he plays, the way that with confidence and this guy, he can run the ball he throws deep. He yeah, has the accuracy. I gotta go with Bill
2: here. What do you guys? Think? I gotta you know, go with Watson. You Washington. know, I'm I'm a big fan. I wrote about it on Bears Fire this week. I'm I'm really warming up to the idea of trying to go get go out and get a guy like Tyrod Taylor from the Buffalo Bills. I think they're either going to cut him or you could send him a late round draft pick just because they they already seem like they want to get rid of him. And, you know, you don't guarantee him anything. You don't you don't say you're starting week one, but, you know, you get Taylor and you get Deshaun Watson and you, you bring back Connor Shaw and you right. say, okay, our best quarterback is going to start week one. You guys go figure out who the best quarterback is and, you know, you let them compete. You let them play out there and, and maybe it's Tyrod Taylor and maybe you start Taylor for the whole season and, and Watson learns from a guy like that who's another smart, you know, confident leader with, with mobile skills that I think Watson could kind of learn from too as far as when to use them, when to take off, when to just – keep the play alive and win to throw downfield. And the, the day that D- D- Deshaun Watson's ready to go and is the better quarterback on your team, that's the day that he starts. But, you know, if Tyrod Taylor, I, I believe Tyrod Taylor would be a better player week one next season than Deshaun Watson would. And whenever, you know, whenever the case, th- that whenever that's not the case, you make the change. But I feel like I would be more confident winning football games from week one with Tyrod Taylor under center than, than Deshaun Watson
0: we to see if the guy can run around like a ballerina dancer. That's what I see. But, anyways, but, um, you know, like, last year, you know, Jerry Goff goes number one overall, and you know how I felt about that. This guy doesn't play, play, what, the first ten weeks of professional football, and he comes in, and then Jeff Fisher gets fired. I don't know what the future of Jerry Goff is. I mean, yeah, it's going to be three more years of his contract, but then Carson Wentz. Went at two, and then you know I don't want to bring this up because you know we're talking about the off season, but our rookie running back Jordan Howard wasn't named as one of the finalists. And yet we got Carson Wentz, who threw 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. I mean, it's just a huge stump to me that Jordan Howard is not in that list with Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. <laughs> You're jumping around on us, AJ. So you, I know. He's so worried about this team I wish I could just like go out and get 2.5 billion dollars from someone and just buy this team but it's not gonna happen <laughs> no one's gonna sell them but yeah you know how it is
1: so, so uh, look it back take me back to Lawrence that's his plan his off-season plan because it's the first time I heard I'm sorry Lauren I didn't read this oh, article <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not Averse to that, I actually—it's pretty actually smart—that you get, you know, a trait similarity in the fact that they're both mobile, and I see what you're doing there. But, you know, I'm not against that at all. I just think that ninth overall pick, face of the franchise—I mean, third overall (laughs) pick. What a third overall pick, face of the franchise. The the ridiculousness of this press conference commenting that this we ain't ever going to be here again. I don't know this. I've never been here. And ultimately this is where you're at. I think you got to play this young man, whoever it's going to be. I mean, I I just want to make the one point that I wouldn't be against that plan whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I think third overall pick with that kind of arrogance that they displayed we're not going to be here ever again we're we're going to get player we're going to take care of that position mentioning bus cook and all that says they're going to go quarterback and they're going to get rid of jay cutler and i think they're going to have to you know, we saw them force feed kevin white however you know they're gonna have to put this young kid out there so and i totally agree if they do, but if they do do what you're saying, they can ride that caveat that you know we made an investment in this guy to pass the torch. So I just don't see the Bears doing something that smart. Oh, I totally That's agree. What I'm, I, 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 what I'm, I, I'm just saying I would do. That. I mean, yeah, I'd
0: be all in favor of the idea, like Tyrod Taylor. I mean, like I mean, I'm not going to take the 13 million dollar cap hit. I mean, like we get rid of Jay Cutler, who has a 12 million dollar cap it after the dead money. And then you bring in Tyrod Taylor. I don't know what we're gonna sign him to, but uh, his cap at Buffalo, I think, was thirteen million. But uh, they're probably gonna cut cap, him.
1: AJ. AJ, don't worry uh, about I'm money. Sorry, don't do that. That that just is the dumbest stuff. You don't want to speak about cap. They can manipulate this cap like you wouldn't even imagine. It's been proven. I've had fights with guys that have degrees in mathematics. Mathematical equations and our professors, and I'm always and I always win. And I'm not the brightest man. I've seen those tweets. I've seen those tweets too. So there's no way they can get Jared (laughs) Allen. There's no way.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and they went out and got him. So I mean,
1: they could do things and manipulate contracts and get. Yeah. Uh, Shane Marshall is getting too much credit on this show, but I got to give him credit because he's the one who always pointed it out. To me, they could do whatever they want with the cap and they will do Basically,
0: whatever. Basically, yeah, like in like the owner of the team can like put money forward like their their own personal assets to go get a player. They can do that. But um I think the Bears did I don't think they had that much cap space when they signed Jared Allen. I think that was like around the eleven or twelve million area. I'm not sure but um when the year they signed them. But um I think the cap... Now that you told me, it's just really a number,
1: but exactly. and um, they got plenty of space in it to do it right. Yeah.
2: Well, and we're starting to get and down on our time here. We're down to just two and a half minutes yeah. left in our show, AJ. So I, I might yeah. let you go so we can wrap it up. But thanks sure. a ton for calling in. Sure. All right,
1: sure, absolutely, AJ. guys. We're going to be doing the playoffs. Doing this, we're going to be doing
2: this <laughs>
1: every week and a couple times during the week when big things happen. Uh-huh. I know me and Lauren are going to go live and start. Taking calls and and really polishing up and preparing for the John Fox the promise. Yeah, we're gonna call yeah. it the season of promise. Let's see, let's see what happens, guys, and uh, hopefully, 2017
0: can be a turnaround year for him and go Bears. Let's
2: right. see what happens. Thanks,
0: AJ. Thanks, AJ
2: so yeah as Phil was was starting to to hint at there, we're definitely gonna be trying to do this every week, probably every Sunday. I think that's a yeah it's it's a good time for everybody it's a an, another taste of bears football on Sundays, even though there isn't real bears football. hopefully we can kind of be the next best thing and you know talk you through the off season a little bit, hopefully we'll get more people involved in the conversation and and we'll kind of just do that and and once we get closer to free agency, you know. We'll probably go live the night of free agency and and talk to you know the first big move Ryan Pace makes. I mean, he he certainly made a couple big moves from the get go last year. So we'll we'll be right on top of that and and get some live reaction going from that. And same thing on draft day. And I'm I'm gonna be at the Senior Bowl in a couple weeks down in Mobile, Alabama. So we might do a live show from there with some of the other guys that are gonna be down there. Brian Perez from Draft Breakdown, and certainly I mean most of Draft Twitter is gonna be there too. So we'll definitely uh, we'll, we'll we'll work something out there. So. Hopefully you'll stick with us as the off season goes along. We'll we'll hopefully have some positive Bears news to talk about. It seems like there hasn't been a lot of that since we started doing this you know, week one of the season till now. There hasn't been a lot to really be excited about, but I think the off season provides a great opportunity to do that and hopefully you'll be along for the ride with us. So for Philatotion, I'm Lauren Cox and this has been another episode of Bears Hour Live.